Our friends, Matt and Grace Westbrook, um, Grace will actually be here next week and uh, visiting with us. Uh, she's she's kind of like Lori's sister separated at birth, you know, a sister from a different mister. Uh, what's that? She's, but she's normal, Lori is saying, yeah. Um, they, I don't believe it, that when they get together, uh, it's a different world. Uh, but... Uh, they had moved away from sunny Southern California where we were living, where we, uh, Matt and I were going to seminary, and uh, they had moved for graduate school to actually sunny Northern California. I know that sounds like an oxymoron. It's, it was in the valley. It wasn't in the Bay area. And so it was sunny and nice, but, but we were missing them, and we were contacting them and back and forth, and we decided, hey, it's about two and a half hours for each of us if we meet at the Jenny Lakes Wilderness area. Beautiful area. It's in the Sierra Nevada mountains. It's sandwiched between Kings Canyon National Park to the south and uh, Sequoia National uh, Park to the north. It's just this little area. And uh, we thought we would meet there. I was super into backpacking at the time, or at least getting backpacking gear and putting it in, in the garage. And, um, and I thought this would be a great way to try all this stuff out. And so we decided to meet there, and then it was a little over a mile or so to this camp, and uh, we would just have fun, and we'd get up the next day and hike around the lake and hike back and then be on our way. We'd just spend time together. It'd be a lot of fun. So we get there, and we're calling on the way there, and let's stop, and let's, let's get stuff, and hey, it's, it's only just a little, it's like, you know, a couple miles. We're young. It'll be fine. Let's, let's camp in luxury. So like we, I think we packed in like a two liter of soda and we packed in steaks and like a cast iron skillet and uh you know it was like we were we were going travel trailer camping but we were the travel trailer and uh we're like no it's no big deal you know it'll be fine and so we start our hike and we walk and we keep walking and walking and we we get to a point yeah our packs are heavy but it's okay it will be there in just a little bit and um this is where the, the part where I learned something about myself. You see, I had, I had, there was this incredible new program that I had got for my computer. And it would print out a map of a hike. Any hike you wanted, you just, you know, kind of put it in there and it would do it. Now, mind you, this was dial-up internet. You know, like right after the dinosaurs passed away, then there was, there was dial-up internet. And, uh, and so we could, we could do this, and, and I, I had my map, and I was all ready, and I was good. And um, the thing I learned about myself is that I had no idea how to read a topographical map. So we got into our hike, and it was fine, and we got to that point where, you know, it was just too far to go back to the car. But the incline of the hike began to steadily go like this until it kind of felt like you were right at that point before, if this gets any steeper, I'm going to need a rope. And I'm going to be like Batman and Robin in the old 60s, you know, going up the side of a building. And you're kind of walking like this, and all you can do is feel the ache in your legs, and every step is just another step of agony to try and get up there. And you're getting up in altitude, and your, your lungs are killing you, and you're, you're getting there, and you're just like, but I just can't go back. I've got to go. We had put so much in our packs to try and bring us comfort and security on our trip that it was really, really injuring us. In fact, we got up to the top at three 
threw everything off. We got up to the top. Uh, we had to rush to set up our tents so that it wouldn't be dark. We had to try and light a fire uh, in, in with flash, you know, with our flashlights to try and get stuff going. Um, we got our food done. Matt, who's asthmatic, was like in the middle of an asthma, asthma attack because of the ascent of the hike. He took two puffs of his inhaler and went to bed for the night. We didn't see him. And the next morning, we were all so exhausted, we kind of looked at the lake. And then we walked back down. (laughs) That was a lot easier, by the way. But it was in our attempt to comfort and have our own security and, and those kinds of things. It really subtracted from what was most important. We were going to be with friends. And we were going to enjoy God's beautiful gift of creation and have fun together. Now, this shouldn't surprise us because we, we kind of all do this, don't we? I mean, we can take some good things in our lives and uh, we can put a lot of stuff in our backpacks, right? And, and we can, we can kind of take it and they can start off as really good things, like just things for comfort, security and stuff. But they tend to kind of take over our lives if we're not careful. And when the, the road gets steep, it begins to get a little more tiring. We need to let... God searched these backpacks during this time to see what, do we, what are we really carrying around? What's the purpose of that thing that we are carrying that really begins to tire out our legs, so to speak, and, and maybe gets our eyes off what's most important? You know, that's part of what Lent is really all about. It's a, a time to stop a time to rest, and a time to let God begin to examine the content of the backpacks of our lives and maybe do some repacking. So are you ready to do that? I think it'd be good. When we, when we get to this commandment in particular, I would say this is one of the harder uh, commandments for us to kind of get our minds around. Some of it is just because of the culture and who we are and those kinds of things. So there are two temptations when we come to this commandment. The first one is to say to ourselves, well, I don't have any wood carvings that I bow down to in my house. I, I'm no sculptor. I'm not making some god that I'm going to worship and bow down to. And so we're like, next commandment, please. I'm done with this one. Got it. Check. Boom. Done. But that's not necessarily what's going on here. So if that's your mentality, then I need you to hang in for just a little bit more, okay? Um, we, we We need to hear what this is saying. The next temptation is to think that this is a negative impairment or a negative uh, imperative around artwork. And there are some religions, there are some groups, there are some people who take this very literalistically against art because art is drawing a picture or taking a picture or a sculpture or whittling something that's an image, right? It's, it's something and they don't, they don't allow for any of that. So I want you to know, I want to relieve, you know, this is not what that's about. So if that's your temptation, let that go. It's okay to go to the art museum. Um, if you're an artist, it's okay for you to do your art, paint, take your pictures, uh, do those kinds of things. That's not what this is talking about. And I, I could bore you with talk about how God created us to be co-creators. So we, we create together, and so it's okay. You know, don't, don't rush out of here. Um, th- this is, this is going to be fun. Art is, is good. I hope you enjoy art like my son Jackson does and brings home... And I think everything that he's ever created is somewhere in our house. (laughs) 
But uh, it's absolutely okay for creation, okay? So what we need to do then is to jump back into the surrounding culture, into the ancient culture of the day. And there were, there were things called idols, or there, were, there was an understanding that gods were in control of the things that we most need. Okay, there was a God for kind of the rain, for your crops. There was a God that was in charge of fertility. So if you wanted babies, you know, you, there was a God in charge of that. There was a God in charge of the land and God in charge of, you know, all these kinds of things. You had these, these little ones. Now you've got two up here. That's, uh, that's Baal over on this side. You hear a lot about him in the Bible. And then over here is Asherah. And you hear a lot about her over in, in different ways. Baal kind of in charge of the atmosphere and storms and all those kinds of things. And and we've got uh, Asherah over here that's uh, kind of fertility goddess and those kinds of things. So you had this understanding. This was the prevailing culture of the day, that these kind of beings were in charge of those things. Now, before we write that off as like ancient silliness, I want us to know that this was a, a radical shift when Yahweh shows up on the scene and delivers the children of Israel, these slaves in Egypt, And Yahweh does this without them sacrificing things to him or whatever. The Bible tells us that Yahweh hears the cries of oppression of the slaves. And Yahweh comes down and he delivers them. Again, I I will reference if the Ten Commandments is coming out sometime between now and Easter. Watch it. If you don't know that story, watch it. It's it's pretty good. It's a little dated, but it's good. Check it out. Charlton Heston. Good Moses. But, he, but Yahweh delivers the people. And they're not the best of the best people. They're, just, they're slaves in Egypt. This is a radical shift in people's understanding of God. Because they'd never had a God that would just hear the cries of suffering and come and release people and set them free without first having to be sacrifice to in some way. I've got to give you this or that. See, that's what they were used to. So when we put this up together, what we begin to see is this interesting God that changes everything. The way you understand the world, both physical and spiritual, this God shows up. And before you can sacrifice anything to this God, this God sets people free. And then comes to him and said, I'm so concerned about your freedom. I want to teach you how to live as free people. So don't have any other gods before me. And then this one, the image making. Now, let's, let's try and get into this mindset a little bit more, okay? So let's just think about this. Now, imagine there were no mire, there were no grocery stores, and, and none of that existed, okay? Your life and the life of your family completely depends on whether your crops or animals succeed. You know, it's not too long ago in this country, that's the way they lived. And then somebody tells you, hey, there's a God that's in control of the rain. I, I think nowadays, if, if that, was, that was nowadays, I think you would probably watch the Weather Channel a lot more often, right? Now my wife thinks I'm a farmer or something because I watch it too much. But, but you would do these things. So let's, let's not try and write this off. You would be tempted to find out if somebody told you there was a God in charge of the rain, 
you might be tempted to say, oh my, well, I, I just planted my seeds. I, I, I kind of need that to happen because my family needs this. And so we, what this begins to do is it takes our real life worries, okay? In this instance that we're looking at right now, it's crops, right? That's the big worry. I, I need my family to be fed and I have crops. So an image, and we're talking about, is something that takes your big worry, your real worry, and it makes that worry into a tangible thing to focus on. And what you focus on that thing is how to manipulate by sacrifice to get your worry or your need addressed. You could do that by giving a portion of your last year's crops to this God who's in charge of the rain. Um, you could give your, you know, in some more radical instances, maybe you're really desperate, so you give a little of your blood, or maybe some sweat and tears. You'll go and you'll cry and you'll, you'll really work yourself up. Uh, you, you, know, you see stuff like that in, in the story of Elijah, you know, up on Mount Carmel, you see that going on, those, those three actually going on. Um, if you're concerned about you need children, yeah, there was a place, you know, the Asherah things where you go and you and your wife would, you know, attempt to have children there and, uh, you know, go into all those kinds of things. Or, you know, in really radical years of drought, people would actually offer their kids, their firstborn. This is the mindset into which Yahweh comes and sets people free. And so this is, this is, you see what a radical difference this makes. And then why this commandment would happen. So the reason why it's kind of an enslaving thing, this old way of looking at things, is because of this. This practice of taking your worry, making it tangible, something you to focus on and manipulate and sacrifice to, whatever that might be, blood, sweat, tears, uh, crops or whatever, what it does is the practice subtly teaches you something. It teaches you subtly that you are in control. Right? I mean, you did the thing or said the right word or gave the appropriate gift to make that little God do what you wanted or needed them to do, right? And it calmed your anxiety. No, it doesn't calm your anxiety. Because why? Because you have lots of needs and there are lots of little gods who are in charge of lots of different things. And so it actually ramps up your anxiety. And now you have to run to this little one and this little one and make sure you're giving this to that one and this to that one and make sure because I've got to, I've got to make sure all my worries and anxieties are calmed and, and toned down. You see where we might have a God who said, I want people to be free and so I'm going to rescue them with no sacrifice. Now, we all know that Israel entered into sacrificial system, and, and that's going to come up later, and that's, that has an entirely different mindset. There is a part of maintaining this grace and all these kinds of things. It's not purchased, though. Yahweh has set them free, and now He wants them to remain free. And part of what Yahweh has to get these people to understand is we can't go into this little God's everywhere where you're running to try and get your worries calmed. That's going to ramp everything up. You will not be free. In fact, you'll be enslaved in a different way. Now, does this begin to get at how this commandment might have something to say in the 21st century? Are you beginning to maybe feel a little of the weight in your own backpack? 
As you begin to look at your real worries and your real anxieties and wonder who really is in control of meeting those worries, calming those fears. So here's the image defined. You can write this down if you want. An image is anything that takes our biggest worries and fears, makes them into something tangible to focus our time, effort, and resources on in the hopes of determining our own security and our own success apart from God, Yahweh. Let me read that again. I think that's important for us to see, to hear. Get this in your consciousness. An image is anything that takes our biggest worries and fears, makes them into something tangible to focus our time, effort, and resources on in the hopes of determining our own security or our own success apart from God. This is the image that the commandment is talking about. Now, what does that mean to you? Okay? What does it mean to you today? Maybe for you, an image is an actual image. Maybe it's an image on a computer screen. Maybe you're thinking, oh, if I could only be like those people, if I could look like them, if I could act like them, if I had those people in my life, or if I could just be those people, you know, if I could look like her or dress like him, have, have incredible triceps like that guy up there. You know, if I just do one more workout, if I, if I just determine my diet and I, have, I, I don't eat this and I make sure I eat that and I have plenty of kale and, uh, you know, all of those kinds of things, then I'll begin to look like that. It's just one more thing that I've got to do, one more thing I've got to purchase, one more thing I've got to buy so that I can have that kind of worry that I'll be okay, that I'll be accepted in the, in the world that I, that I move in. If I just have one more thing. Is that your weight? Well, maybe it's, maybe it's just security. Maybe you, you, you just focus all your time and effort and attention on one more thing. You've got to have one more layer of security, one more case of shells, one more camera somewhere, one more thing that I buy, one more taser to protect me, one more guard dog. Don't you love this guard dog? Check it out. I thought that, that's, that's a pretty trained dog right there. It might be my dog. I hope it's my, my dog when I go home. But it's just one more thing. It's one more thing. It'll calm my security. It'll calm my worry. It'll calm my fear if I just have one more layer. One more thing. One more. One more. One more. One more. And we focus our time and effort, our resources and all those things on one more thing. I don't know. I I could, of course, talk about work here, but there's a whole commandment for that. We'll get to that in a few weeks. I could talk about religion, uh, but there's a whole commandment for that. Yes, even good things like religion can become an idol where we are more concerned about that thing than we are about the thing that that thing is about, the person that that thing is about. Uh, But there's a whole commandment for that. We'll get to that next week. Possession, yeah, there are a few commandments about possession. So we'll, we'll get into these. You see how there's just a beautiful flow to how God starts this off and is inviting us, even in the 21st century, to come in to the freedom, to live fully into the freedom. If we want to be free, our trust can only be in the God who sets people free without manipulation and jealousy and jealously wants them to remain free. 
Now, this is a beautiful part of this jealousy thing that, uh, that Yahweh talks about to Moses and, and to Moses, to the children of Israel, and from there to us today. That if you go the way of manipulating things, your images, I just got to have one more, I got to do one more thing, I've got to work one more job, I've got to do all the. If we continue to go down that little route, guess what? God says, this is, this, I want to tell you what happens. This is the generational patterns that begin to emerge. You begin to teach that same manipulative pattern to your kids. And then they have kids, and guess what happens? You, because you're still around, and them, because they've learned it from you, teach that on to the grandchildren. And then it keeps going on. It's just a difficult pattern to get out of. But I love that he finishes by saying, however... When you establish a pattern of living fully in the freedom that Yahweh gives you before you could sacrifice, if you learn to live in this trust, then that pattern has ramifications for your grandkids, 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 grandkids. Do you see how this commandment is so important for us today? The decision that you make about letting God examine your life in your backpack and move some of those things out so that you can see and live into what is really important has impacts generations down the family tree. You see why this is important? Good. So what are we going to do about this? Maybe it's time to repack You know, this is what Lent is really all about. That's why during Lent, some people choose to fast. It's not about earning God's love. It's not about earning God's acceptance. It's about letting go of the things that are weighing you down. It's about reprioritizing and allowing God to show you what is really important, to learn to live in the trust of God. So, what do you need? What do you need to take a break from? What do you need to just let go of? I know we've still got a long way to go in Lent, and that's fine. If that's, if that's what you need, then, um, then, then that's good. You can, you've got a few weeks to practice this. Or if you're just scared, it seems like such a long time, try it for a week. Just try it for one week. See what happens. Maybe you want to join me. I'll tell you what, what I'm allowing God to reposition in my life. So for Lent, I, I decided to let go of all news. I did. Wherever it comes from. So that means no Facebook, no social media, because guess what? News comes through that. I, I said no, no listening on the radio, no uh, shows on television. I just let go of all those. Even, even comedy stuff, you know? Just let, let all that go. Because you know, that, that, can, that can become an image too, right? Where we can just... Think that, oh, if I only know what, what's happening out in the world, if I know what the enemy is doing, whatever the enemy is, if I just watch one more show or read one more blog or correct one more friend on Facebook or, or do this or do that, and I look at this website or that website, listen to that station or that station. Now, please note, I did not know, name any news organization. Whichever one consumes you is the one I'm talking about, okay? It can become an image. Maybe you want to join with me and just say, you know what, I need to let that go. I think God is 
said, I want to take this out of your pack. And I just want you to see what it's like to live without it. I'll tell you what, I'm 10 days in, I have never felt more sane. I'm telling you. It's a hard habit to break. Guess what? Sometimes I still flip my phone op- open and doop, doop, I got two seconds. Oh yeah, I deleted that app. I forgot. It's gone. Maybe, maybe you want to join. Guess what? I also found out I'll still hear I still hear what's, uh, what's happening in the news. I still heard about the shooting. I still heard that Billy Graham died. The beautiful thing was, though, that I didn't have to hear it 19 different times, presented with 78 different opinions. I could just hear what happened. And I could grieve for the loss of 17 lives. And I could think about all that happened in the life of Billy Graham in almost 100 years. It's beautiful. Maybe, maybe you want to join. Maybe for some of, a, some of you, you're going to kind of let go of addictions. Maybe there's a substance or maybe there's something, an image or something that you're really addicted to. And it's time to lay it down. And maybe you've tried to lay it down over and over and over again. And you just seem to pick it back up. Well, maybe during this season of Lent, maybe you want to try for a week to visit a group of people that are on that same journey of trying to let God reposition their backpack and let go of the things that are unimportant. Maybe you need to try a 12-step group. Maybe you need to explore with a therapist. Lent is a good season to do that. It'd be a good time. Maybe for some of us it's just fear. Maybe you need to think that I, I just don't feel safe in, in areas, you know, like common areas, like a mall or a restaurant, and last, and last, and last. And maybe you just need to try and say, God, I want to go there without just you, just you and me and my family. I want to go and just try. I want to try and learn to live into this trust. Maybe we need to do that. Get your backpack into what is truly important. And that's relationships with God and people, a family, maybe like this church. Maybe you want to commit to, I'm going to be here every week during Lent and Easter. Because I just want to see what it's like to just be with a group of people that are trying to do the same thing. And a little bread and drink for the journey. I'm going to come and I'm going to take communion every week. I know we're doing it pretty often right now. We will. I'm just going to, spoiler alert, from now till Easter we'll be taking communion, okay? It's important. It's the journey that we're on. What would it be like if we committed to this together? To just letting the God who loves us and is jealously concerned about you living in freedom. What if, what if that God began to remove the things that are tiring your legs out, that are winding your lungs that are taking your eyes off what's most important, your relationships with each other, with God, and having that little bit of what you need for the journey. Are you ready to let God check out your backpack? It's not easy. As things move away, sometimes we want to say, no, I need that. And God gently says, no, 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 let me have this. That's what this commandment's here for. Your images are weighing you down. Let them go and focus on what's most important. So in just a minute, I'm going to invite anyone who would like to, to come and receive a little bread and a little cup for the journey, symbols of the journey. So I want you to know if this is your first time here or you've been here forever, I want you to know if you are hungry 
to allow God to reposition the things in your backpack. And you want to focus on what's most important, just the little bit that you need. Then I invite you to come. You don't have to be a member of this church. This could be your first time in church in a long time. But if you're hungry to trust this God who sets people free without manipulation, you come and receive. You are welcome to come. Lori's going to sing a song. So as you're in your lines and and coming forward, I want you to kind of look at the words of this song. I just saw it this week. Simply a song that says, Fast from and feast on. I want you to hear the words of this song as she sings it. But I'm going to bless the elements because on the night that Jesus was betrayed, and you know Jesus showed this commandment perfectly. He lived it out. No images. He just trusted all the way, even to death on a cross, into your hands I commit my spirit. He took bread and he took cup, symbols of the journey. He said, this is my body broken for you. Take and eat. This is my blood shed for you, the new covenant. Take and drink. So if you're hungry for this, I'm going to invite you to come. Father, we thank you for your blessings. We thank you for your gifts. We pray that during this season we would hear your voice calling us into freedom, full freedom, calling us to embrace that which is most important. And we ask this in the name of the Father who is for us, in the name of the Son who is with us, and in the name of the Spirit who is in us. Amen. And now, may you go. May you allow this God to empty your pack, give you what you need for the journey, to have strong legs, lungs that are functioning, breathing in and out His wonderful Spirit, and the relationships that so are gift to you and to me. And I pray this in His wonderful name. God bless you.